Attention audience, guess what? It's that time of the week again. It is... It's Friday, Friday, Friday Films. That's right, Friday Films. And we're back. Bond in review, going strong, uh, Daniel Craig Block. Now, we said last week this was probably one of our least favorites <laughs> in the Daniel Craig Block. Um, my opinion on this movie has changed slightly. We were wrong. This is the new number one. The new number one. Oh, wow. Eric has spoken. <laughs> I'm curious. Curious of what makes you put this movie at the top of the list. Um, I mean, just it's just a great A all-American bond throughout the whole movie. Psych. Yes. <laughs> it's, our, it's really not. Our opinions held true from our from, from previous viewings and, and our predictions from last week. Um, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not great. <laughs> no. Now, that being said, um, I would mentioned this to Eric beforehand, but this movie did move up a little bit as far as expectations go after watching it. Um, but, and we'll get into this in the review, but mainly because this is literally a direct sequel to the Casino Royale. Had it been its own standalone movie, it would be farther down on the list and not as good of a movie, but because it's a tie-in, it does kind of help strengthen the movie some, um, which we'll get into, especially in the ranking towards the end. Um, yeah, I mean, but I did enjoy it a little better. Literally starts a frame after Casino Royale is. Yes, yeah, which is why my expectations, because like I said, I, this was the one movie out of the Daniel Craig's that I remembered the least. I think I'd only watched like once when it first came out and didn't really remember half of it. Um, watching it right after Casino Royale, it made so much more sense. Um, yeah. Still not the greatest movie, but it was a lot better watching it right after Casino Royale as a direct sequel. And like you said, it kicks off, you know, action-packed. I love the intro to it. Um, probably one of my favorites as far as this movie is the intro. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, I'll let you kick off the, uh, the stats, I should say, of yes. the movie. Yes. Quantum of Solace released November 14th, 2008, so two years after Casino Royale. Um, runtime, it is the shortest Bond film, and it it feels that way. This movie, uh, despite our complaints about it, you can't say it doesn't move quickly. Um, it, does, it does move quick. It's a runtime of one hour and 46 minutes. Uh, so it's a pretty quick watch uh, as well. Directed by Mark Forster, um, and actually a German director, the first time a non-English uh, or English Commonwealth um, person has, has directed a Bond film. Starring, yet again, Daniel Craig, we have Olga Kurylenko, I'm butchering that name, but a Ukrainian actress, and uh, Matthew Almerich. A French actor who plays Dominic Green, our big bad of the film. And yet again, Jordan, I'm going to wait for you got to say our tagline when I tell you this budget of $200 million. $50 million more than Casino Royale. So, what does that mean, Jordan? Again, more money does not make a better film. That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Mo money does not mean mo better movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, one thing uh, Bond has proven over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I love how it, it seems it's reoccurring. It seems like the higher budget ones are the ones that, that end up ranking to the middle or lower portion of the list, or, or at least the higher budget ones compared to um, uh, the, the other movies in that, that, that age bracket, you know? Cause like, yeah. you know, we've got um, from Russia with love, you know, number three on the list. And that was like a, you know, $9 million budget compared to, Hundred and fifty million dollars for a casino, you know. You know, so you got to compare yeah. based on the generation of when they came out. But it it does seem like based on the Sean Connery, the Roger Moore's, the more money they spend on it, the lower it ends totally, up yeah. being ranked on our list. Yeah, and, and essentially in every block we've said that. Yeah. So yeah. at I least mean, it, with at least one movie we've said that in every block. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more. Um, but yeah, that's it. So let's uh, let's roll on into this, good sir. So, like I said, this kicks off um, with one of my favorite scenes of the movie. And I, I like just how it goes into the movie. Because remember, the Daniel Craigs are the ones where they don't do the gun barrel open at the beginning. Um, like the other movies do. Uh, and this one, same thing. Because I kept going like, um, oh, that's right. It's not at the beginning. It's somewhere else. Like at the end of the movie or whatever. I was like, so just let it go. But the way they do, like, the flashback, kind of, like, slow-mo, like, music kind of slowly building, you're kind of zooming in on the mountainside, and you flash into, like... Like, it's silence. Yeah, and then, like, you kind of flash to the car going in and out of the shadows of the tunnel. Like, it was really cool how they did it. And as it's building, as it's building, you realize you're in the middle of a car chase. Like, you literally start with a car chase. But I love that nice, slow intro to that. And it sets a tone for the movie that makes it feel like it's going to be an action-packed movie. Now, as much as it is, it doesn't hold up to the expectation you have. No, it does not. The this intro sequence, you're right, it was it was fun, it was it was quick. Um, but I didn't I honestly didn't like it. It was very it was very fast-paced, which was good, but it was very very cutty. Uh, it was, and everything yes. was like super, super close up, so you couldn't you couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost the same complaint I have with like um, in 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 superhero movies or stuff where there's there's a lot of like physical fight sequences, and they film in like at night in a dark room, and you can't see anything that's going on, and it's super yeah. quick cutty and whatnot. It's the same problem I have um, with that that I do with this. I just I felt very disoriented because I didn't know where things were in the environment or what was going on. It was only, it was quick close up cut shots and, and super, super fast. And I, I didn't really enjoy it. It was a fast paced way to start the movie, but the way it was filmed, mm-hmm. I just, just cause aesthetically didn't work for me. Um, I agree with you. Once we get into the car chase scene, I, I, I yeah, can see what you're talking it, about. Yeah, like like the up to it was silence, great. Yeah. Yes. The silence yeah, as it then zooms once in you... from the ocean to it is really mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, once you're in the cars, it's I, I I did not like it. Yeah, once you kick off, it wasn't as enjoyable. Um, yeah. it, it was neat to see the movie kick off with such an action pace and kind of draw you in. Like you're mm-hmm. like, oh man, this could be a roller coaster. We're off to a good start. This is awesome. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there was a couple of scenes where it's like, instead of kind of like, hey, here's Bond. It's kind of like, oh, there he was. Wait, wait, hold on. Oh, no, there he is again. Uh, I think, oh, that I, think was I see him knuckle. over there. I think I saw his knuckle. I think I saw his hand. That's his hair. <laughs> No, there, there's the car door flying by. Yeah, I was, know he's in there somewhere. Like it, yeah. it was, it was kind of jumbled. Um, it was all over there, and it was very quick. I mean, you like I knocked the one car off the road and just kept on going. I'm like, it yeah. was, um, it was a very interesting start to the movie. We'll put it that yeah. way. Um, but some Bond parts arrives, are better than others. Yeah, yeah. Post the car chase scene where Bond busts up that poor DBS. 
Uh, he arrives in Siena, Italy in his busted-ass Aston Martin. Pops out, pops open the trunk, and there's none other than Mr. White. Which was my end, other favorite part of that scene. Yes, from the end of <laughs> Casino Royale in his trunk. It's, and just the fact cut, that he was there the whole time. Yep, and we cut to the intro song. Um, this intro sequence, I... I... I didn't like it. No. <laughs> this was actually, I think, one of the parts where my other half is like, I, I really don't like this intro. This movie is just not one of the best. I was like, I no. will make sure I put that on record for everyone else to yeah. know. It's a, a lot of sandy lady bodies, lots of mm-hmm. CGI. Um, I don't like the song as a Bond song. No, I, mean, I don't like it the Bond song Jack either. White and Alicia, Key- Alicia Keys, both phenomenal artists. Um mm-hmm. And the song not, itself isn't bad. No, it's it not wasn't a bad. bad. It was not song. a Bond it's song. It's catchy, though. but it's not a it's not a Bond song. It did not no. fit with the theme of Bond at all. Um, and so the whole intro. I mean, it was the, the only notes I had was that you know you had your your silhouettes. Uh, there was a lot of different like gold, orange, and yellow colors to emphasize the desert the sand, and the sand, desert, which yeah. we kind of get into that theme as the movie goes on. But uh, I mean, other than that, I didn't really have much as far as my notes go, because I didn't really enjoy the song as a Bond song. Um, there was not there was not that, like I said in the last Casino Royale, it's the intros, the best intros are the, are the get hypes, where yeah. the, the, the pre-intro sequence ties in perfectly into the, into the intro moment, and this just didn't have it. No. It just, there was no get hype. It was like by the end of the intro song, I was or the, the intro song, I was like, all right, let's just fucking watch this. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you have you know, the intro to the movie, which was a, a good kickoff, and then you kind of got through that car chase, and you're like, eh, okay. And then it's like you drop down for the intro. Like, uh, all right. It's like that momentum did not carry when you mm-hmm. kick off. Like, it had a great start, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that the movie was bad from here on out, because there are other parts of the movies that I really enjoyed. But it just seems like that roller coaster ride was kind of like up and down, up and down. There was parts that were really good, parts that really wasn't. But overall, it just didn't have the the good impact that you want to see in a yeah, Bond movie. This this movie, Jen, and and we'll we'll start beast mooding through this a little bit. Um, but this movie is for me the definition of of as we've said with like the Roger Moore's high 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 highs and low lows. Only mm-hmm. it's high highs and low lows in one movie, and the pacing is high highs and low lows. Like it's literally yeah, it's all like, over the place. Probably what every six minutes of this movie, there's some sort of chase scene. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's definitely got more action than any other Bond movie, but and, almost and, to its detriment for me. Yeah, and, and the action scenes are good as like as a standalone, like the you know the next action scene we get into. I enjoyed that action scene to a for point. sequence for action um, sequences. Yeah, but there's yeah. nothing that justifies them. It's just no, I, I agree. With all you there. it is yeah. is like there's no tension or there's no build up to get to the next action set. It's just so there. It's always just. Action set piece. All right, we've got a break for a minute because we've got to have some sort of bullshit backstory for this. Villains, yeah. And then back to an action scene. You know, it's it's, um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. The, it's all over the place. Uh, only other thing I, I want to say real quick, just because that way I don't have to get into it throughout the rest of the movie, is Bond's character, with this being a sequel to Casino Royale, I like how you start seeing the continuation of his shift to becoming Bond 
throughout the next um, couple scenes and throughout this whole movie. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong um, with his performance. I, I really enjoy it. Oh, no, no. It was, it was, it was great. But um, I enjoy the shift of Bond's character because we saw it through Christina Royale where he was becoming 007 and Bond, and we see it continue on in this movie. Now, being a sequel and having a lot of tie-ins to the first movie and seeing the aftermath of Bond yeah, and Casino he's, Royale. He's angry Bond in this movie. He is, and he starts becoming more of that calm, collected, smarter Bond by the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you see this as soon as we get into this next scene. You kind of see, like, Bond's done the car chase. He's all beat up. The car is destroyed. He's, like, covered in construction and sand and everything else from the car chase. And he's just kind of like, come on, let's do it again. Yeah, you he know? spends 90% of this movie in, in, a, in a tattered suit that's blood and dirty and everything. Like, you almost mm-hmm. never see him in a clean suit in this film. Towards the, towards the middle of for a short period of time, but yeah, it doesn't last for, long. For that one scene, that again is like four mm-hmm. minutes before we get to the next action set piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, from the intro song, uh, we cut to Bond delivering Mister White to M and MI6 and meeting with M. We see that Bond still has very hard feelings about Vesper. You know, where M says something, yep. you know, referencing her, and she's like, he's he's just like. You know, fuck that bitch, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, M and Bond then go in to inter- interrogate Mr. White. And Mr. White is like, this is funny. We've been on, under your nose. Our organization's been under your nose for years. And we keep looking yeah. over our shoulders for you and guys. We keep you guys don't even know anything about us. And you don't even know we exist. You know? Yeah. He's like, and he's like, you're right. You know, we, we do have people everywhere. And then, ladies and gentlemen, one of the MI6 agents in the room pulls a gun and fires at M and M, you know, gets out of the way and gets, you know, gets down on the floor and Bond immediately breaks out and starts fighting this man face to face, fisticuff style. Ladies and gentlemen, this man was none other than Frank Joseph P. Hinchman. You gotta be kidding me. That's right, Jordan. That's right. Frank is back. And Frank is back with a vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. So that's where he was in the last movie. He has been infiltrating MI6 for the last 15 years, according to M. Which, ignore the timeline when it comes to when Bond's movie's released. We're not worried about that. <laughs> Remember, we're in reboot time. So this is Frank 2.0. 2.0. Yeah. It's a cover. I mean, you, you have a cover. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just a very solid cover. That's right. That's right. Frank is like is like James Bond. The theory is that James Bond is just the moniker. It's always different people. You know? Mm-hmm. That James Bond is just the code name. Frank is just the code name. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. I mean, he is the Frank. anti-Bond. <laughs> but anyway, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Frank has worked his way up through MI6, working working through the organization of Quantum hiding that he, he saw this as his opportunity. He joined up quantum with quantum years ago when he was down out on the bottom, you know, out on his luck with whatever he did in the last Pierce Brosnan movie. I forget. <laughs> he was down dies. on his luck. What's Remember that? He, he tomorrow never dies. No, he it was, was die another day. I'm oh, sorry. Die another day. Wrong, wrong movie phrase. No, when he was on the plane was Al. Yes, yes, that's right. And he got so like, he, sucked out of the plane. We haven't seen him since. He got sucked out of the plane, um, and he was able to miraculously survive the fall. Like, you hear these random stories of people falling and their parachute fails, and they still survive. They break every bone in their body, but they survive. That's what happened to poor, poor 
Frank Joseph P. Hinchman III, <laughs> broke every bone in his body, spent months and years recovering, and then saw his opportunity. He was met in the hospital one day by a recruiter for Quantum, the, the international terrorist organization that we have just found out about in this film. And he saw this as his opportunity. They needed a man that, that could be on the inside. That, could, that knew the operations of MI6 better than anyone else could. And that was none other than Frank Joseph P. Hinchman III. Who else are you going to recruit that's been fighting against Bond for the last 50 years, right? That's right. The man that knows him. The man that knows him, but Bond doesn't know Frank. You know, I always wondered that's what it key. would be like to have Frank in, with MI6. <laughs> I always thought he'd be in a Q branch somewhere. But... <laughs> Frank's got too many too many skills in murder to be in Q Branch. <clears throat> he could probably help come up with some of the knock uh, knock. Who's there, Spike? Trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that or help fix all the gadgets to go wrong since he's that's always right. been on the other side of them. But that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Frank worked his way up. He trained. He infiltrated. He got on 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 M security detail, and just was waiting for his opportunity. Every moment that went by, waiting for his opportunity to exact his revenge on Bond. And this is it. Bond had discovered one of his high-ranking officials, Mr. White, in the organization. And it's time for Quantum to reveal himself. And Frank is going to be the face of that reveal. So he snaps. You know, he pulls out the gun, shoots at him, gets in a fist, 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 fisticuffs fight with Bond. That's a difficult word to say when you're on a it roll. It is. It is. It really is. <laughs> and then begins to, begins to run. Bond gives now, chase. I was going to say, during this fight scene, if you remember, he not only tries to shoot M, but during the actual fight between him and Bond, they, uh, they end up shooting White. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the, White gets shot as well and falls on the ground, still tied to the chair. Um, but Rogue, you know, Frank runs out and, be, and begins to run away. Bond gives chase. Frank goes down through the sewers, climbs up into a giant crowd, and begins to kind of blend in. Bond doesn't mm-hmm. know where he is right now until Frank makes a crucial error of firing into the crowd to get people out of the way, which clues in Bond on his, on his location. And they run through the crowd. Bond's chasing Frank to and fro all over the place. We have kind of a parkour chase similar to what we had in the first, first you know, mm-hmm. Casino Royale, kind of sort of where they're running all over the thing. They're climbing up scaffoldings. They're ding-donging bells in each other's faces. All sorts of things happen. I was going to say, I like the second part of this chase a lot better than the first. Because the first, when they're running through the tunnels and all that, they're trying to almost do the same thing as they did in the very beginning of the movie with the back and forth mm-hmm. camera angles. Because there's also a horse race going on above the, above the tunnels. And that's where like the crowd of people and all come from. Um, but they keep jumping back and forth between the horse race and the crowds to the, Which the was people in the tunnel. Un- entirely unnecessary. Yeah, and, and this was one of those parts where it <clears throat> takes the movie quality. It was a cool technique, but used in the wrong way, and it actually dropped to the bottom half of that movie. It's like this yeah. was a low low because it's like, all right, well, it was kind of cool had you not put all that. If you just did a lot of cutscenes of them running through the tunnels without the horse race, that had been a lot cooler. Um, but because of they try to do that back and forth effect, which semi worked in the beginning with the car chase up until it fell apart uh it, it just made this fight scene a little bit rougher now once they got into like the bell tower and then they yeah, fall down cool into that. like the scaffold yeah all that was really cool like the, they're fighting with hanging from the ropes which <laughs> is really the cool. whole scaffolding which fight is, scene which is where we're at right now so you've got frank and bond climbing up scaffolding both of them have been disarmed 
Bond gets tangled in a rope and it's hanging upside down and is swinging from the, the, the bell, swinging around the room. Frank is climbing up the scaffolding to go get to his gun. It's a race of who's going to get their gun first. Who's going to win this final face-off between these dreaded historic enemies? Mm-hmm. Well, we see close-up shots of Frank grabbing his gun and Bond grabbing his gun. And then all of a sudden... Bond twists himself up in the rope, points up at Frank, and fires. And we don't cut to Frank. Did Frank die? What happened to Frank? We'll find out. Bond returns to find Mr. White missing and out of the chair. We cut immediately to Bond meeting with M in London, and they discuss rogue agent Frank and Mr. White's escape, and how Frank had infiltrated them for years. You know, and, and M couldn't believe that someone that she trusted so much was able to deceive them in such a way. And M confirms the death of Frank Joseph P. Henchman III. Once, once, once removed by marriage, twice arrested, ex-wife died named Susan P. Henchman, formerly bodyguard. <laughs> Wait, she died too? I thought so. I don't know. Anyway. No, she, I kids. mean, they, they went through like two divorces. That's and right. And she left him. I didn't know she died. Three the dog, kids. Something happened to this dog though, I thought. Yeah, yeah. The, the dog the, the dog God went to go see God. <laughs> Capital G God. <laughs> poor, poor Frank. Frank is survived by his three, sometimes four children, depending on which movie review you listen to. <laughs> and his and his good friend billy j mercenary i forgot about him that's right um they held a memorial service for for frank and frank's honor and his and his service to the henchman career over his 50 years of experience and um it's 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 unfortunate that that you know what? We lost a good man today, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the um, sometimes the good guys win, sometimes they lose. And today, today we lost. You know, Frank Frank is no longer with us. It was one of the best. Long live Frank Joseph P. Henchman. Take a moment of silence. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was really hard to keep a straight face. <laughs> <It was. laughs> All right. Um, but after they talk about Frank and Mr. White's escape, it's discovered that uh, M and everything revealed that they were using mark, marked bills from their investigation with uh, Le Chief to track down the location of a Mr. Slate, who was one of the people that was helping Le Chief launder his money. Hmm. We then cut to Haiti, where Bond breaks into Slate's apartment and a fight breaks out immediately. Again, we just yep. had a super long fight and we've had four minutes of film without a fight and we're back into another one. So yep. we will not linger and on this one. I will say the, the <clears throat> first thought that went through my mind when this fight started was um, Born Identity. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's immediately what I went to. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um but a fight immediately breaks out and Bond kills Mr. Slate and essentially takes his identity, picking up a briefcase that was on hold for him at the front desk, excuse me, front desk and taking his jacket as well. 
Bond leaves the hotel and is picked up instantly by a woman who thinks Bond is Mr. Slate, a geologist that she was supposed to meet. Um, we see that they're being tailed by a, a, a biker as well that's following them around. They run around, they escape, they leave, they, they lose the biker. And Bond like, even like takes her ID out of her purse without her knowing while they're like, yep. small talking. Exactly, to identify her. Um, and they, they, they lose the biker for a moment and they park. And she opens up the briefcase and there's some just blank papers there. But underneath those papers, there's a gun and a picture of the woman. And apparently... Mr. Sl- Slate was supposed to kill her. And Bond's kind of like, oh, well, would you look at that? And then the woman <laughs> pulls <laughs> pulls a gun on Bond. He knocks you know, knocks her hand out of the way, so it just breaks open the window. Um, and he dodges out of the car, and she pulls away. Funniest part of the movie is is right here. This is the one part that I... That, that I, I, I enjoyed this whole scene, yeah. The biker catches up to him, pulls up to Bond, and berates him. He's like, you were supposed to kill her. And he was like, well, I guess I'm just I'm just off today or something like that. I think he's like, well, I missed or something. Yeah. And then takes the handle of the motorcycle and whips the motorcycle out, throwing the guy off the bike <laughs> and then hops off the bike, hops on the bike and just just takes off. Um, Bond then proceeds to track the girl as she arrives at some docks and meets with the big bad of the film, Dominic Green. Um we found out he was the one to put out the hit on her because reasons. He essentially thought that she was trying to portray him and she played it off that she thought someone else was trying to portray him and um, she was trying to confront the guy that was, you know, the, I guess the mole in his organization. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. According to the conversation between her and Green, it was kind of like she was trying to discover who was writing him out, and he thought she was writing him out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they briefly they they briefly make up after after a quick chick check, and Dominic acknowledges the fact that you know she's probably just with me to get to the general, or so it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make up, and Dominic the general arrives by boat, and they have a meeting to discuss the partnership between Dominic's corporation. Um, and the general to destabilize the government of, Bol- of Bolivia for him to take power in exchange for a quote-unquote worthless piece of the desert. Um, he gives the general Camille, we learn this this woman's name, as a gift. And we're like, well, that's kind of creepy, right? Right? You know, because we all know what's going to happen. I mean, you're yeah. in South, South American dictator giving a woman to him. It's not like she's going to live a, a happy life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they leave by boat and Bond follows them and crashes into the boat using his own boat that we have yet another miniature chase scene where he rides his motorcycle on top of other boats for zero reason and hops in the last one and takes it off and slams it into, um, the, the yacht that they're on, into the, the, the yacht that they're on, hops aboard while everyone else is disoriented, grabs Camille, rescuing her. And it's boat chase time. Yep. Camille's fighting against Bond. He's like, "Listen, I was, I'm just, I'm just saving your life here. Don't mind me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saving you. It's all good." Uh, but they've got to chase back and forth. Bond's riding over the top of boats. There's machine gun fire. Um, one guy gets knocked off the boat by Camille, who had like the 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 the, the rope hook off the side of the boat. At one point, Camille gets knocked out as well. Um, so for, one of the for reasons. The- yeah, well, there's a boat 
they, they kept like playing bumper boats in the water because uh, at one point Bond's boat like runs over one of the henchmen's boats knocking some of them in the water and then at another point um, I forget exactly what happens but like Bond goes to turn or something and the henchman boats essentially like jumps over the back of them yeah. and kind of like partially hitting uh, Camille in the head and knocking her out as it's going like over them like to the side so she gets knocked out from getting hit by one of the other boats uh, um, but which yeah, she, is funny because when it's all said and done, yes, Bond just I, like carries her off the boat and hands her yeah. to somebody. Yeah, which I th- I thought was pretty funny too. Like after Bond takes out the pursuers, he arrives at a random boat yard and just hands Camille to a dude. Yeah, just hands her to a random guy. Like here, your problem now. Um, uh, Bond leaves and contacts M about Dominic Green. Green and M contacts the CIA, who say they quote unquote have no interest in Dominic Green, which to M means uh, they must be really after this guy because they transferred me immediately to the head of operations in South America. Yep. You know, obviously they've got an interest in it. Now, the other uh, thing I kind of liked about all of this is it's not really stated because we we talked about in the past especially this being the new reboot that bond doesn't have a lot of gadgets but one of the things i thought was cool that was kind of like not really mentioned in the scene but you had to catch it is a bond when they're at the docks gives his card to um just green's hench it was like well it's green's henchman that we don't really pay attention to throughout this movie um and he's like hey give it to the girl well what does he do instead he keeps it and he like calls the number on his card but essentially what it is is a tracking device so as long as he has it on him, Bond can use it as a GPS signal to track him. And that's how he chase, tracks him down after this boat chase scene yes. to the plane yard, which I thought was cool because I think this is like the only actual gadget in this whole movie. Yeah. It was just like a little GPS tracker and it was just a business card. So it was very kind of clean and um, put into the movie just right that it wasn't mm-hmm. overused like some of the other gadgets we've seen in other movies. I thought it was unnecessary, but I thought it was cool. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was cool. Um, but anyway, after they have their little chit chat back and forth, Bond follows Green to the airfield, as as you said, uh, where he's getting on a plane that's chartered to head to I think Austria for some reason, right? I think it was Austria. It was some European country. I forget the I forgot to write it down. Anyway, to a European country. Uh, when Green gets on the plane, we see he is met by some yeah. CEI bigwig with an epic mustache and none other than Agent Girly Glasses himself, Felix Leiter of the CIA, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he's back. Two movies in a row. Same mm-hmm. actor. We love our Felix time. I, I do like him as Felix, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we see, I was like, wait, what? The CIA is working? with the bad guy what's Mm -hmm. happening here what's happening and we get revealed that the deal is if america stays out of the bolivian coup that's going on they get the rights to any oil fines from the from the sanctioned property that's resulting in this yeah where everyone supposedly is looking for all this oil at. yes yes so america wants them some oil is what it comes down to and you're right it was austria because i have that in my next notes when they land okay i I thought it was austria okay yeah it's um um, breganese austria i think is how it's pronounced gotcha Um, uh while they're still on the plane however green also asked them to take out a little problem that they had and shows a picture of, of James Bond of the uh, British Secret Service. And Felix immediately recognizes him and it's like, 
yeah, you do have a problem. <laughs> yeah, and what, but I, what I like about this scene, though, is you can tell when the – I forget the name of the mustache guy. I, yeah, I never got it. The, the CIA guy. Yeah, anyway, he, he looks at the phone and goes, huh, do you know who this is? And he, like, points it to Felix, and Felix is like, no clue. He's like, I, I don't know who that is. And then he's like, I don't know, how could I have missed it? That's James Bond from the British Secret Service. So it was kind of like – Felix is covering for Bond, mm-hmm. and his CIA buddy's like, "What are you doing here? We got to be on the, the same team. You yeah. know, we're on Green's team, not Bond's team." So, yeah. it kind of shows you the um, the the start of that relationship with Felix and Bond. You know, after everything in Casino Royale, Felix is like, "No, Bond's Bond's my buddy. I'm not ratting him out. <laughs> He's my boy." Mm-hmm. We went through some shit in Casino Royale. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Bond tracks Green to a, a opera performance event that's going on bond sneaks in steals the tux from some poor bastard (laughs) and and probably the only time he's wearing the tux too this This is the only time he's not dirty (laughs) in the whole movie is this scene right here um steals the tux and sees that there are only certain people that are getting gift bags from below the counter Mm-hmm. Everyone else is getting big gift bags that are on the counter. So he gets him gets a, gets himself one of those gift bags from below the counter, and it's got an earpiece in it. Yeah, he by taking in, out someone else who was supposed to have it. Exactly. Um, he pops in the earpiece and li- is listening in on Green's secret conversation about the pipeline and everything that's that's going on with him duping the U.S. government for mm-hmm. the Bolivian, and he's communicating with other members of Quantum. That are and there I, as well, all sitting in different locations, just communicating via these earpaces, which is pretty slick. I'm not going to lie. I kind of dug that. Yeah, I, I dug I, that as, was, a, as a secret meeting. It was good for the, the organization. Um, I also liked how when Bond went in, he had the earpiece and all that and the, the pin, which was the microphone. But Bond, instead of going in the crowd, went behind stage, like up on top. So he could kind of like peer over yep. the crowd, which I thought was really good, too. Yep. And I love this this next part. It's because like he's up in the rafters, peering on the crowd, and then mm-hmm. intentionally speaks, yes, into it. And everyone's like, "This guy's not, you know, not one of us." And people start getting up and leaving, and yep. that's where he ID everyone who gets up and leaves. He IDs, takes a picture and he of takes him to ID of them. Yep. And I love that Mr. White is there as well, but knows but better. Mr. Mr. White doesn't get up. He knows yeah, better. And I, he even uh, there's another scene a little bit later where Bond even goes right past him and, and White's just like yeah I'm not not messing with him anymore. Yeah, um, moving. But I love like you said in this whole scene because Bond was just like can I make a suggestion and everyone just stops. He's like can you guys find a better meeting place? <laughs> 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 like I, I thought that was really cool. I, uh, I thought that was great. I was like oh Bond you're learning. Good job. Um, Green gets up and leaves as well, and they have a little awkward face-off in the middle of a hallway. Where Which Bond I is, love. Yeah. The <laughs> little visual standoff before it goes into another chase scene. Yet another chase scene where Bond's being chased down. Um, I, I did like this chase because it was set to the opera music that was playing in the background. Yes. And I love that. This, this I one love, I did like, like. The back-to-back in this one I enjoyed. Yeah, I love action scenes that are set to, like, opera music. I've always mm-hmm. really kind of enjoyed that. I think it's a good... Well, and it, it kind of followed the... Whatever the opera was trying to portray. Yeah. Just, yeah. like, that little bit of scene where there was, like, I don't know, some type of shooting or massacre. Yeah, like, they I were, forget what they the were opera was trying to do. Yeah. They were correlated events, um, essentially. 
this one definitely worked the best out of the back and forth between the car chase in the beginning and the tunnel chase and the um, horse race mm-hmm. combo. Like this one so far has been the best back to back cut scene in this movie. Um, and like I said, I really enjoyed their little right was the opera started their little standoff before it kicked into it. Mm-hmm. So this this scene was actually done pretty well. Um, and I enjoyed this one. Yeah. And this scene ends with Bond having one of the one of the other agents hanging off the top of a roof and drops him and he doesn't die. He lands on the top of Green's car and they look at him and goes, is he one of us? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, then he shouldn't be seeing me. And one of the henchmen gets out and just shoots the guy, um, throws him off the car and they drive away. Yeah. And of, and of course, Bond gets pl- gets blamed on this because this guy ended up being an undercover agent as well. For, um, I think, one of the prime minister's guys. Yeah, something like that. So M calls Bond to come in and be debriefed because of what happened. Everyone thinks Bond's the one that killed this guy. And, uh, and M even says, he's like, Bond, you shot another agent. Yeah. And Bond's like, hmm. <laughs> I don't remember doing this. <laughs> yeah, I remember pushing him off the building. <laughs> I was like, I've killed a lot of people, M, and he wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but M, you know, Bond refuses, and M gives the order to cancel Bond's cards and passports in order to restrict his movement. Uh, Bond, so Bond's at the airport, can't get a flight because his card's declined. So instead, he, he leaves and says, listen, you're going to get a call in a few minutes. Then they're going to ask you where I went. Would you mind telling him I went to Cairo? And the lady's yes. like, sure, for some reason, because I would absolutely do that if I was an airport attendant and somebody came up. It's like, hey, listen. The cops are going to call in a minute and ask where I went. Can you tell them I didn't go that place? Yeah. <laughs> and you would actually do it? No. The moment the cops call, I'd be like, yo, he's right here. He's here. <laughs> Come get him. But it's now. <laughs> but it's Bond and he has the charm. He does. He does indeed. Uh, so he can't get a flight. So instead, he decides to take a boat to Telemone, 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 Italy. Sure. And meets with his old buddy Mathis. That's right, Mathis is I back. Loved, so I loved Mathis, Mathis was back. was was not actually the bad guy. Yeah. He was a good guy the whole time. Uh, yeah, I, I liked Mathis coming back in this movie. It was one of the few things I really enjoyed about this movie, continuing from Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. And I remembered he was in it, and that's why I was confused at after end of Casino Royale. I was like, I know Mathis comes back at some point. <laughs> so I don't remember uh, how he comes back. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely enjoyed him coming back into this. But again, this is a continuation for Casino Royale, which is yeah. a strong sequel, but not necessarily a strong part of the movie by itself. Because otherwise, yes. you have no clue who Mathis is if you just watch this movie without watching Casino Royale. Yep. Um, but Mathis and Bond have a little chat about their conspirators, and they met fun little quips back and forth about, you know, Bond's responsible for, for me being arrested and tortured. And then the woman that was with Mathis <laughs> yeah. was like, well... You know, you were found innocent and they paid you back with this awesome Italian villa. So he's kind of responsible for you being yeah, well so off right now. You should be you thanking know. him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did like her play in that. Yeah, um, unnecessary, but it was it was kind of fun. Um, but Bond, after their conversation fun. about the conspirators, Bond invites Mathis to go with him to Bolivia. Bond needs a little bit of backup. So they take and Mathis's private plane and they're flying... It? It was it was a it was not a regular plane. It was a private plane. They were the only ones on it. Oh, I thought there was other people. I thought it was just like a high class. I don't know. Either way, uh, um, um, they're on the what, plane, and Bond is drinking the same Vesper Martini that he had in the before, last movie yeah. that he named after Vesper Lynn, um, and looking at a picture of 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 her. 
And the boyfriend. And the boyfriend. And you can tell, like, this is, you can tell Bond's, Bond's drunk. You know, Mathis comes up and he's like, I've had six of these, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. A little, little the under, under the influence. So this was kind of a cool moment where you're seeing Bond still dealing kind with of, what happened. Yeah, kind of vulnerable. Yeah, he's still dealing with it, which is, which is interesting. But again, we don't linger on this too long because we land and arrive in La Paz, Bolivia, where Bond is immediately met by a embassy representative, Mrs. Fields, who wants and orders him to get back on the next plane to England, which happens to be tomorrow morning. So Bond's like, we got all night. Classic Bond move. Let's go to the hotel. We got all night. Yeah. Um, so they go to the hotel and check in, and Bond does not approve of the conditions of which Mrs. Fields <laughs> is trying to check him into. He's got a higher taste than that. Switches and goes to the swankiest hotel in the city, where he immediately wastes no time in seducing Mrs. Field, Mrs. Fields, and they make whoopee. I, I love his... Um his comment about switching hotels too, because when they get to the first one, she's like, well, this fits our cover. You know, we're, um, teachers or something like that. Yeah. We can't afford a high end place. He's like, yes, we can. And he goes, he's like, Hey, we're teachers, but we also just won the, we won the lottery. Of dollars. Yeah. We won the lottery. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was like, way to go. Bob. <laughs> of course you found a way to spin it. Um, but yeah, Bond seduces Mrs. Fields, and Mathis stops by uh, with an invite to Green's fundraiser that he's putting on. We cut to the fundraiser where Green is making a speech about what his company does and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and Math and I- Mathis introduces Bond to his friend, the police chief. Um, Camille then shows up out of nowhere with no explanation whatsoever next to Green and proceeds to chit-chat with the people that he's talking to, kind of embarrassing him. Mm -hmm. Um, Green pulls her aside, and they have a little brief back and forth where he was like, you know, you've been drinking, you could slip and fall. And with the strength of a thousand hulks, attempts to push Camilla over the ledge, literally breaking the ledge in the process. How? It it had weak structure. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Bond interrupts uh, this, this, this encounter, they have a little back and forth, and him and Camilla leave, go down the stairs, and there's Mrs. Fields, who trips up the henchman that's following them, and mm-hmm. acts like, oh, whoopsie, accidenti, my apologies. So, one of the things I enjoyed about this whole party scene was the the way they all interacted. You know, at first, Bond's there with Fields, uh, doing their thing, and then Mathis is there with his general buddy, mm-hmm. and they kind of meet up and chit-chat. Mm-hmm. You know, Camille's there, and she kind of sneaks in and steals green. Um, and then kind of like, as Bond wanders around, Felix is there, just kind of doing his thing with the CIA. Like, everyone's kind of there at the same party, but they're kind of like crisscrossing each other, Yeah, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, and even like the whole, like you said, Fields tripping, like Fields kind of was like Saul Bond was kind of going to engage and, and still went to back him up a little yeah. bit. Um, and then they essentially, they leave, uh, and then Bond just takes Camille and they get in the car and take off. Um, so it was a very short scene, but I liked the interactions that everyone was there kind of crisscrossing each other's paths mm-hmm. and not fully aware of what was going on. You know, like Felix sees Bond and Camille leave, but I don't know if Bond even knew Felix was there. I mean, if yeah. he did, he didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, after they leave, Bond and Camille, you know, are in the car driving along and they get pulled over and, uh, Bond makes the comment of, you know, Green must have some friends in the, uh, in the police force. 
mm-hmm. he's pulled over and is asked to open the trunk. And Bond's like, that's weird. What do you expect to find? And the opens the trunk and there's Mathis. Yep. Shot, crumpled in the trunk. And Bond's like, oh, this looks really bad. Uh, not going to lie. Not mine. I didn't put this there. I'm holding it for a friend. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, a promise. The uh, cops immediately pull guns on Bond, and Bond retaliates, retaliates and kills both of the officers. Pulls Mathis out, and they have a brief conversation, a, t- a touching moment, if you will, so, as Mathis dies in Bond's arms. The and then what does thing... Bond do? Throws his body into the nearest dumpster. Yeah. And Camille's like, it's not a really good way of te- treating a friend. And Bond's like, he would have wanted it this way. <laughs> yeah, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have cared, is what he said. Yeah, he yeah. wouldn't have cared. So the thing I don't like about this scene um, is when he opens the trunk, Mathis is there, right? The cops tell him to get Mathis out of the trunk. So as Bond's picking up Mathis and turns, the cops shoot Mathis in the back. So if Bond would have left Mathis in the trunk, I don't think he would have been shot and died. Like, granted, he was beat up, but I don't think he was on his deathbed until he Bond picked him up out of the trunk and the cops shot Mathis in the back trying to shoot Bond. And that's what started the whole fight where Bond took out the two guards. There's so many whys in this movie. Uh, so, so I know. I, I, I remembered all this and I was like, aww. I forgot um, Mathis died. I was like, but, I remember him in this scene, but from here, it's basically a speed run blur to the end. So we'll it, get rolling. It essentially is, yeah. Because um, everything from here is from from the desert on. So we cut to Bond and Camille going for a ride into the middle of the desert, where uh, and then M gets reports of Mathis being killed, and the police claiming that it is Bond mm-hmm. that did it. Uh, while driving and through the Bond's desert, a rogue agent now. Exactly. While Bond, uh, while driving through the desert, Bond arrives at an airport and makes a deal to take a plane from this random middle of the desert airport. Yeah, because yeah, they're everywhere out there. Yep. While they're flying along, um, Bond knows that Hayes. Listen, how you know how Camille's like? How'd you get this plane? Bond's like, well, he wanted you because apparently women are currency in Bolivia. <laughs> um, he wanted you, but I decided, you know, I worked out some other deal until he inevitably would trace us. So they know that this guy is going to call it in. The moment they take off, he hops on the phone. Um, we have a brief conversation in one of the, again, four minutes between fight scenes where Camille, it's revealed that Camille is Bolivian Secret Service and is out of, after, you know, revenge as well on the general mm-hmm. um, for killing her family and whatnot. You kind of find that a little bit later. A little bit later, but either way. Yeah, you kind of get the gist of it up until this point, but you you learn more about it after the next uh, scene. After the next action scene. (laughs) Which is right now. Now. (laughs) Um, Another plane comes out of nowhere and immediately starts firing at them, and we have a plane chase, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of action as the planes go back and forth, whipping whipping between canyons and whatnot. Bond's really good at flying this huge hulking plane. Um, the big wrap up to this action scene is the Bond taking the plane up high and it stalls. He tosses the parachute to uh, to Camille and she puts it on and everything. But oh wait, whoops, that was the only parachute. So they jump out of the plane with only one parachute and a lot of again the quick cutting back and forth crap that I really didn't like, where you're cutting from the ground yeah. to the plane to them in the air to this that and the other thing, and they pull the there parachute. was a helicopter in there somewhere too. For I some, think. Yeah, for something, and then they pull the parachute at the last minute and hit the ground hard. Mm-hmm. Um, after they hit they hit the ground, we cut back to M, who's meeting with the minister about Bond's actions. Um, the minister is telling her to bring him in, or the Americans will take him out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you bring them in or the Americans will take them out. That's these are your options. We cut back to Bond and Camille having a chat in a uh, in a cave. Yep. And this is kind of where you find out about exactly about her, her vengeance history. on the general yep. Yep. and yep. what she wants from Green. And she's like, I don't really want Green. I want the general because yep. the general essentially mm. the backstory was the general when they were young essentially killed her whole family and the mm-hmm. house and set the house on fire. And she was so young that he didn't bother killing her. He just kind of left her in the house as it burned down. And that yeah. explains some of the scars you see on her back throughout yeah. other scenes. The of burn the movie. marks. Yep. Um, so they both want revenge in certain ways. So they, as walking through the, the caves, they discover underground water mm-hmm. and bomb connects two and two and goes green. Doesn't care about oil. He wants the water to create a drought. Um, and then we see a brief, brief little montage of Camilla and Bond walking through, through a desert town, um, and seeing kind of what of a lack of a lack of water means for the locals yeah. and how that affects their daily lives. It, it was interesting. I mean, it, it wasn't necess- necessary in the movie, but it was an interesting scene to kind of fill in. It was, for, yeah. you know, travel from A to B essentially for them getting back to the hotel. Yeah, it was. An, it was an interesting moment. Um, and they get back to the hotel where Bond has a message waiting for him from the front desk from his wife. Mrs. Fields was his alleged wife. And the message says, run in all caps. He, of course, instead of running, asks Camilla to, to leaves Camilla stairs and heads right upstairs to the room where he mm-hmm. opens the door ready to kick some ass. And I was ready for another fight scene, but that's, we have to, I wait. Was too. we have to wait three more minutes before we get another one. It's like, it's, they've got it timed down perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> where M is waiting for Bond in his suite, not another bad guy. They have a little conversation back and forth and it's discovered that green drowned Mrs. Fields in oil and left her body in the room on mm-hmm. the bed. Horrible way to go. Yep. And another death on, uh, on Bond's conscious, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And M kind of mentions this, like, listen, man, like, every woman that gets close to you dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was just, uh, what did he say? She was just, like, a, a secure uh, She was just secretary a, she was a paper or, pusher. Or, yeah, she was just a Yeah, and she yeah, was just here to send him home. Yeah. Um, Bond is then relieved of duty and taken into custody by the other agents at the order of M, who the moment they step on the elevator... Bond immediately takes them out as the elevator doors mm-hmm. close. Um, I like this scene. This was a good scene for me because it kind of showed the the dynamic duo between M and Bond yeah, a little yeah. bit more because it was building more and more in here. Like mm-hmm. she was ready mm-hmm. to let him go, and then he is you know he goes through this whole scene, and, and they also mentioned that Tanner caught Camille outside, and Bond's like she's not part of this. Let her go. Yeah, and M's like, and, right, you know, cool. she was let go. Yeah, yeah we don't need her. but like they have this big fight scene, you know. So Bond takes out all these guys in the elevator, then he gets out, and he what does he do? He goes right back to M. Yeah, he's like, uh, we're not done. We need to finish. We're gonna see this through, you know. Like if he's really a rogue agent, why yeah. would he go basically back to tells his boss him after what being he's fired? going to be doing, and then M pulls yeah. her number two guy aside and is like, listen, I trust Bond. So figure out where he's going. Yeah, chase him. Like figure out where he's going, but let him do his thing, basically. Yeah, um, we're ba- we have basically have to put on a show and pretend like we're catching him now. Yeah. Um. um so I I like that little build up because you know M's like, okay, mm-hmm. I I do trust Bond now. You know, like, yeah. 
you can see the relationship building more and more with them every time they go through these different which is good you know, and bond's I'm, rogue but he's not he's the bad guy yeah. no he's not he's good but he's not you know and I'm, I'm really kind of on that note like this the dynamic that 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 develops between bond and m in both casino royale and this movie quantum of solace um mm-hmm. i'm very excited for next week when we get to skyfall because their relationship yes. in skyfall is awesome Yes, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very well done. But we're not there yet. So from here, uh, Bond escapes and outside Camilla is there to pick him up. We cut to in in a... Which, I was going to say, I love that when Camille picks him up because she stops and says, get in. And he's like, are you going to shoot me again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, get in the car. (laughs) Um, But uh, from here, we cut to a Bolivian office where Felix and the other CIA guy are are just chatting back and forth and they get a and Felix gets a call from good old Bond himself. And they arrange a <laughs> they arrange a meetup. I, I love the 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 conversation between them too. Because you know, like Felix answers the phone and, and Bond's like, why don't you just say hi, this is the CIA? He's yeah. like, Come on. The taxi guy told me you guys were here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say hi. It's the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. But they arrange a little meetup. So uh, Bond and Felix meet at just like, just like a local watering hole. And uh, Felix gives Bond some, some info on, on Green and the general and, and kind of what the behind-the-scenes stuff is. Uh, but also gives Bond a warning that, listen, I'm giving you this info, but CIA is here to catch you. So you got about 30 seconds. Yeah. You know. And Bond knows that. Bond's yeah. like, look, I'm not an idiot. I know you didn't come alone. He's yeah. like, how much time do I have? He's like, about 30, about 30 seconds. seconds. He's like, well, then we don't have long, do we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they have, that, they have that little conversation before the other CIA agents come in and swarm to take out Bond. And we have yet another gunfight chase which is a very brief one a very brief just one bond just escaping it's yet another one and this like these brief ones just goes to show like they literally yeah. they literally i swear to god have like an egg timer set up when they were filming this thing and being like it's been <laughs> five minutes it together it, yeah it's yeah. been five minutes we got to get another fight scene in a fight scene a plane chase something i'm like you don't need that much man chill out with it it's all good yeah. it's no big deal Woosa. um but after the brief gunfight chase scene, Bond escapes and we cut to the desert. Here in the desert, we see that Bond and Camille are preparing to raid the facility. Camille loading her guns, you know, Bond sitting there. There's a brief conversation back and forth between them that's kind of reminiscent of uh, Casino Royale where, where, you know, Camille's loading her gun and she's kind of shaking and nervous and everything. And they have a conversation about, like, essentially killing people. And it's kind of yeah. kind of mirrors the you know it only gets easier dynamic that we had from the last movie yeah. um and you can tell the bond's trying to help you say look you're going after him this is personal this isn't going to be like any other kill this is going to be different yeah you know like are you sure you're prepared for this <laughs> yeah are you ready and for you know what you do you know what you're getting yourself into yeah. yeah um but they get ready and we see green and his and his cronies uh arriving to, to meet the general and the police chief is there as well neglected to mention that uh, police chief and the general are there at this random middle of the desert super long office building yeah i don't know exactly it was some type of base or something i don't know exactly what it was it's like they just like they found this like they, they were like we have to film here it's in the middle of a desert and it's an office building well what's yeah. the reason like why is it there why 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 would the bad no, guys go it here was, 
because I, it's cool. I, I think there was more to it. Yeah, because it was some type of had some type of special fuel cells that operated. So I don't know nah, blah, what blah, it blah, was. Blah, yeah, it's it's a cool looking building, but it has no no place being where it is, and there's no, it was no purpose for us to do a fight here. Yeah. My my guess it was one of those like, hey, this is like my. Well, actually, I think it might have been the the general's like own special like a mansion in the desert type I, deal I the one general because he because he says something about getting a drink and taking it to his private quarters so he, like he had his own room there either way um but it so basically, it might have just been basically like, a desert hey, this is my desert mansion yeah it might be just a desert mansion but anyway green arrives there to meet with the general and the police chief um and we see them meet the 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 general signs the paperwork and now green owns 60 percent of all of bolivia's water supply and then hands him another sheet of paper and it's like hey why don't you sign this while you're at it and the general's like what's this mm-hmm. and he's like well this is a contract making my company the exclusive permanent utilities provider at double the cost that we re, re, that we uh re, previously agreed upon mm-hmm. and then the general's like this is outrageous i'm not signing this and he's like well I now own 60% of your country's water, so what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can kill me, but my organization is not going to take it lightly. They're just going to come after you and uh, start all over again. So, your choice. Yeah. Um, so, I don't even remember if he ends up actually signing it or not. He, he does. Okay, because does. It, because yeah, it he, jumps he, so quick from here. It does, but essentially, you know, Green gave him the option. It's like, look, you can choose not to sign this, and you're just going to die because you can kill me, and my organization is going to come after you anyway. Um, or you just won't have any waters to supply to your people And all, now that you run Bolivia, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. He's like, or you can just sign it and pay us more money, and we still have control over everything, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it was just the, their way of the organization taking control of Bolivia and all that yeah. through... Um, I guess I don't want to say blackmail, but leverage yeah, some something. way. Yeah, but yeah, um, you can tell because he gets really irritated and he's just like, Ugh, and like signs it and then like yeah. storms off. To signs his room. it and signs it and then goes to rape that poor waitress lady. Is it, yeah. is basically what what happens. Um, so Camilla sneaks into the facility and she's hanging out outside of the 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 general quarters as you hear the the, the female woman you know screaming and fighting back inside. Meanwhile, Bon as the police chief is leaving, jumps on the hood of his car, says, we have a mutual friend, referencing Mathis, because the police chief mm-hmm. is the one that betrayed them, um, shoots him in the face and just starts guns blazing, shooting up the joint. Um, we yeah, cut back yeah, and forth between... literally a gunfight in the garage. Yeah, we cut back and forth between C- Camilla and Bond in, uh, in this scene. This this director or editor really loves the the quick back and forth cuts, which drives me he nuts. Does, yeah. it, it drives yeah, me it, insane. It was it was one of the downsides of this movie. Like I said, there was times where it was worth it, but it was overdone in the entirety of the movie. Oh my god, it was um, done so much. And granted, much. I I understand the point of it towards the end because it was back and forth between Bond and Camille, just like in um, the other movies, like when you had Brosman and um, uh, which one was it? Tomorrow Never Dies, where they had like the sub scenes and they were kind of cutting back and forth. Like yeah. in, in scenarios where you have two characters you're, that are telling stories and you got to cut back and forth. That I kind of get. I, I, that makes sense, but it's too much. Yeah. It was too quick of cuts. It was back and forth and it was done throughout the whole movie. If they would have cut out like, 
You know, even though I, I mean, like the beginning car scene, if they would have cut that down some, I liked the opera scene, but even if they would have trimmed everything up and just not put so many back and forth throughout this movie, it wouldn't have been so bad when we got to this no. point. I mean, I swear to God, man, in every fight scene or every chase, I don't think we're on a single shot for more than a couple. No, it, it was a lot of... For more than a couple frames. It's like... like yeah. Like, less than half a second, we're on each individual shot before it cuts to a different shot. I mean, it's so all over the place. It's disorienting. Yeah, it's very quick, rough cuts, which, if done correctly, can make a good movie, but at the same time, can ruin a good movie. It just depends on how it's done. Um, But I feel like if you're going to do that, you should do them in shorter bursts and just be real quick. Here it is. It's done. It's over with. And not, oh, that was cool. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Um, so I'm like, even during all of this, I mean, essentially you have two very short stories that are spread out through multiple back and forth. You have essentially Bond going in through the garage, killing, you know, that general, their vehicle goes backwards into the fuel cells, which essentially starts this giant chain, chain of explosions, explosion. blowing up the whole building. Yeah. Um, he kills up a couple other guards, runs up the steps, goes after Green and Green's henchmen who... Again, is just there to be pretty because just you know, he has with a bowl cut. Uh, yeah, he has you know a good line of sight on Bond until the wall blows up next to him, killing him. Yeah. Um, you have Camille essentially taking out the guards and outside of the general's room, going, going in, in to in fight the general himself to fight the general, which you know some tossing back and forth. The general has the upper hand, and then you know she gets the upper hand with grabbing some glass i think cutting his legs mm-hmm. or something and yep. then essentially just kills him and then but it the, cuts, by this time the room's on fire yep. so she and, just kind of curls up in the corner and then it cuts to you've got bond with he captures green and he's got he holding him over the cliff basically when you hear a gunshot come from the camilla in general's room oh that's right yeah because so, they don't actually show her shooting yeah him, you know. so bond lets lets um lets green go and goes to you know goes yeah. to check off check on Which, camilla I guess it's a good character development for Bond because this is the first time. Well, it's not really the first time, but you kind of see where Bond's like, okay, I have the bad guy or I can save the girl. Which do I do? And he kind of like, I guess, after having too many deaths on his conscience of girls Mm -hmm. um, from the previous movies and earlier in the movie, he decides to go and save the girl and leave Green. Although beaten up because their fight scene is kind of brief and really Green kind of hurt himself by stabbing him's yeah. foot with a fire yeah. axe. I mean, it was all real it was grief. Dumb. And, uh, yeah, it, um, it wasn't the greatest now, fight scene. The one scene where Bond is is in the room with Camille and the broom's on fire, and we've already referenced that this is a trauma mm-hmm. from her youth that the general caused, and it's basically she's essentially reliving this hell from her childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, you know, curled in the corner, just like so scared looking back and forth. And this is kind of like they were trying to get the same level of emotion in this moment that they had in Casino Royale. Yes. With, you know, the the shower scene after the first kill type deal. Mm-hmm. They were trying to mimic that level of motion and just didn't really work that way. It, but it there were didn't... some dark themes, though, where, like, Bond picks up the gun and, and Camille's okay with it and thinks that yeah. Bond's going to so, kill, you know, kill her or kill themselves or, or you know, it was it was essentially yeah. like a like a assisted suicide thing is what she thought. And then the panel opens up that has an explosive in it and Bond shoots the explosive and said, breaking open yeah. the wall, allowing them to escape. Yeah. What, what I did like about this scene, cause you're right. It was kind of darker. Um, it was, well, they tried to make it that it didn't, it yeah, didn't necessarily it, it come off that way, but no, that, that was the attempt. Um, so 
you hear Camille kind of talking about or repeating what Bond says to her at the beginning about the personal kill. Yeah. You're like, look, this kill's going to be personal. You got to, you know, keep straight, um, concentrate. Type of, I forget the actual words that are said, but you hear her kind of repeating pick the your, same as Bond's and, picking up pick the gun. Pick your shot yeah. and take it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is, it does try and set up that whole, like, you know, they're trapped. The fires, you know, got them enclosed. They can't escape. They're going to die. They're, you know, best thing that Bond can do is put her out of her misery so she doesn't burn to death, essentially. Yeah. So and she doesn't that's live out how her they, yeah. yeah, and so that's how it's all played. And you're right. It does kind of set that up. But I don't think it was done. I mean, although it was a good scene, it wasn't done 100%. Because you're right. As soon as that thing opens up, Bond's, like, ready to go. And he's like, boom, wall explodes. And like, oh, well, now you guys can escape. So, I mean, it was kind of a neat attempt. But it didn't put out the full effect I think they wanted it to Mm -mm. place in that movie. Um, Because they literally just walk out. Because as soon as the walls open, even Camille's like, all right, cool, let's go. Yeah, they walk out. They they see Green crawling through the desert. um, And Bond hops in a car, drives, captures Green, and drives him even farther into the middle of the desert where he drops... Yeah, they, they skip even, like, half of this. Yeah, where, where he drops him off um, and leaves him with a can of oil. And it's like, basically, listen, you're, you're going to die out here one way or another. Either the people, your people are going to come find you and kill you, or you're, you're going to die of dehydration in the middle of the desert. One or the mm-hmm. other. Gives him a can of oil, and it's like, I... I I, I bet you'll make it 20 miles before you before you drink this. Yeah. Um, um, so Which I, I did like that kind of scene where Bond drops him off because the Bond even says their agreement was Bond would let him live if he told him all everything he needed to know, which Green did. Yeah. And Bond's like, yep, now your people know that, I'm sure, and are going to come after you. Yeah. So, so you the only thing good for you is you're in the middle of a desert. Yeah. You've got a chance for survival. It ain't much, but you got a chance. Yeah. Um, then we cut to Bond driving Camille to a to a small village and dropping her off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut to good old Russia, where we see yes. Vesper's ex, who was presumed dead, which we skipped over at the very beginning of the movie because I touched on it for half a fucking oh, second. Oh, yeah, when um, the body, Bond yeah. was talking to M yeah. at the very beginning when they were interrogating White. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, jumped over that because it was super, super short. But uh, we bond, cut to Russia where Vesper's ex arrives at his home to find Bond waiting for him. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got a lady friend with him that was wearing the same knot necklace that Vesper was in the last movie. And that lady is also a Canadian agent. So we find out that that Vesper's boyfriend is has been a bad guy. That's basically his 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 modus operandi is to cause female agents to to fall in love with him. And what? So no, I'm laughing because you caught me, you caught me off guard when you said that. I'm sorry. Oh, um, is to uh, uh, get get federal uh, international agents, female international agents, to fall in love with them, give away their secrets, betray their nation, blah 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 blah, um, and then he profits. Be off, their inside men. Yeah, and then he pro- he profits off the information. So he's essentially repeating this with this Canadian agent. Bond calls him out on it and it's like, "Listen, sweetie, you you should probably go. You should probably go. You should probably call your government." Tell them, tell them to take a look at their pipes because they've got a leak. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there, there's a mole somewhere yeah. inside. Um, which I thought was kind of neat. Let's him, let's him go. And then which, he says something to Bond, like like we think Bond's about to kill him, and he says something. Uh, 
I don't remember. I don't remember what the line was. Uh, but anyway, once he says it, we cut to black, and uh, we see Bond exiting out of the front door of the room, and MI6 agents walk in after him. And Bond M's there, and they have a little chit chat where M's like, "Did you kill him?" And Bond's like, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Nope, he's alive. It shows the different side of Bond at this point, yeah. and it also he's kind matured. of. Yeah, it He's also no kind of has the wrap-up from Casino Royale, yeah. which, again, have you not seen Ro- Casino Royale, none of this makes, makes any, any sense. sense at all. Um, but being a sequel, it was a good tie-up, I think, to the emotional side that Bond plays with throughout this whole movie, which we've kind of skipped over multiple times um, because it, it, it doesn't really have much to do with this movie. It was just their way of trying to tie into Casino Royale no, and have like, like a, a were, tie up to Casino Royale. There were emotional moments um, in this film, but they were so underplayed they because were, of they the were. amount of action. Um, they were. It, it, it was um, it was to a detriment. I mean, if you wanted to make this mm-hmm. like an emotional Bond follow up story, and essentially his redemption of getting over, you know, Vesper, the, the love yeah. of his life, essentially you, making such a high impact action film that this was wasn't the way to do it no Um, no because and like i said if you would go back and you split it apart or if you look at just the emotional scenes as for bond character it tells a good story but it's washed out with all the action because you have uh the scenes where he first talks to mathis uh well actually in the beginning you know ems you know talks to him about vespa and he's like nope done move on um he talks to mathis the first time and mathis is like hey you know i'm sorry to hear about vespa oh it's no big deal push on and then the drunk scene where Mathis is kind of realizing that he's still kind of hung up on this and it's just, he's pushing it down and instead of getting over it. Yeah. But then when you have Mathis's death scene, Mathis even tells him, he's like, look, you need to forgive her and you need to forgive yourself for everything. You know, yeah. she, you know, yes, she portrayed you, but she also cared about you. It was more to it than you're letting on. Um, and even when you get to the end where, you know, Bond had, this guy who essentially was the reason for Vespa and all this to begin with dead in his sights. And he lets him go. It's kind of like his closure. He's like, look, you know, yeah. I wanted this guy dead essentially, but let it go. Yeah, I don't, on. I'm, I'm, be- I'm beyond this. So, now. yeah. Um, um, but I like the tie in because while he's talking to M, this is also where M is like, you know, Hey, you know, I need you back. And he's like, I never left. I never left. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, M, and M that does confirm the death of uh, that green. They found green's body in the, in the desert with two gunshot wounds to the mm-hmm. back of the head and That's a right. stomach full of oil, you know, which was interesting. Yeah. So both he drank the oil and, and his people found him. Yeah. Um, or they shot him and then fed him the oil anyway, whatever. Um, and then we cut to the the first ever gun barrel outro. Yes, that shows the name of the movie, um, classic gun barrel outro. Uh, yeah. And we yeah, but that I was like yeah. gun barrel closing scene, yeah. not opening. <laughs> um, and then we fade to credits, and that yes. is that is Quantum of Solace. Yeah, that's the end. Uh, Bond will return, although it doesn't say it. I say it every time. Uh, next movie is Skyfall, um, which I'm so, so I'm excited for Skyfall for 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 n- not sure how it'll how it'll rank up compared to compared to the uh, you know the, the rest of the Bonds. Um, I know it'll be better than this. I'm 100 percent. Yes, it, it's definitely better than this one. Um, I don't know how it'll be on the list of movies, yeah. but it is definitely better than this one. But Skyfall I'm very excited for the the intro sequence because Skyfall 
the Bond song is a phenomenal song, period, but also a good Bond song. So we'll, I'm, I'm excited to oh, see yeah, that. Oh, yeah, because that was, um, that was I can't remember who did them. That's right. Yeah, she did that one. Yeah. I couldn't remember if she did that one or Spectre. Yeah. Um, so I'm also excited for the Skyfall. I can't wait to get into it. Briefly, the only thing I remember from the last time I watched Skyfall that annoyed me is the audio spikes. And they could have just been the way I was trying to watch it. But it's one of those where it's quiet during the normal talking scenes. So you crank the volume up. And then when ex- you know the action, action stuff happens, loud. it's like ble- bleeding your ears. So you yeah. have to turn it back down. So like if you're now, granted, watching it at nighttime with other people in the house and being kind of conscious of that, you're like, turn it up, turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully it's not as bad as I remember going into it. But I can't wait for that. Um, but this movie... We've said it the whole way through. It was an okay movie. It was a good sequel, not a good standalone Bond. I mean, yeah, the, the <sighs> movies, the, the, like, the only redeeming factors of the movie for me are the tie-ins to Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah. But there's a couple does, of cool scenes. It does scenes. not stand up on its own. We've said numerous no. times we do not like the way the action scenes were filmed, the pacing of the action scenes. Um, having so many of them in such quick succession that are mm-hmm. so drastically different well, and even, explains even the, the explains the budget, but it takes away from the the emotional story that they were trying to tell. Yeah, um, and even <clears> then, the emotional story I think was just kind of like squeezed in there because there was an emotional story, but it was only told in th- certain specific scenes. Yeah, but even um, like, like, the story of the movie wasn't that great. No, either. I was like, even if you take out the emotional story, just like, even if it was just, just a step yeah, bog standard yeah. bond story, it was still not good. No, it wasn't. It still but like with didn't fit, you know, I mean, and and them trying to throw in the emotional scenes by themselves would have been decent. Or like you said, a movie based around that would have been good. But the fact that they were just kind of like squeezed in here and there to kind of like show Bond's character. Yeah. I mean, they were good for Bond's character. And you, Daniel Craig did a good job with that Bond's, you know, again, continuing to evolve from, you know, into 007 mm-hmm. um, like he did in Casino Royale, which is the only thing that I really liked about this movie was the continuation you know like i said over and over again a continuation to casino royale bond continuing to become 007 his character kind of getting over vespa all that's good but the story of this movie by itself the villain all that does not hold up to a good standalone bond movie unfortunately yeah um but with that i'll let you do trivia and then we can get into ranking this thing because we know it's not going to be at the top of the list unfortunately it's trivia 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 time. Da-da-da. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Trivia Time featuring, I almost said Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace. <laughs> I wish it was Casino Royale. Can we just. The Casino Royale sequel. Can we, we can we just re- re- re-review Casino Royale for the next three weeks? <laughs> I, I mean, I'll do it as long as we can go back and rewatch it. Um, but no, Quantum of Solace, um, the second installment of the Daniel Craig James Bond. The Casino Royale sequel. Saga, if you will. Yes. Casino Royale Part 2. Uh, trivia fact number one. This is the, the this is the first, first installment of the James Bond film franchise to be a direct sequel to a previous film. No surprise mm-hmm. there. We've referenced that numerous times while we were while we were doing this review. Um Fact number two, Chile's Atacama Desert, where this, where the film finale was filmed, is the driest region on Earth with no record of any measurable rainfall having ever occurred there. 
So it is, it is very interesting. never rained in that desert. <laughs> I'm sure they had so much fun filming on location. Uh, yeah. Um, Daniel Craig felt Casino Royale was physically a walk in the park compared to this movie because of, you know, phys- physically as in like there were so many more stunts and action sequences in this movie than there were in Casino Royale. Um, his training for this movie was extremely intense, involving more boxing, running, speedboating, and stunt driving. And he was also injured three separate times while making this film. Oh, wow. Um, next fact. This is the first James Bond movie where Bond is seen inebriated. He has never actually been shown drunk on screen before. Um, the scene, of course, and we're re- referencing the scene you know, in the bar on the plane with Mathis. Yeah, and even then, I mean, you could tell he's had a couple, but he, he wasn't like... Oh, yeah, no, but he was, he was drunk. Yeah, he you was definitely he drunk. Was yeah. yeah, he was under the influence. Um, but yeah, that is the first time you've never seen Bond act drunk before. He's never been drunk before. That's true, yeah. Um, the closest other time would be in Casino Royale when he was drugged, but that was him being drugged, not yeah, under the story, influence. Yeah, definitely even then. Um, Screenwriter for this film, and this may explain some of the 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 plot and the pacing issues. Screenwriter Paul Haggis uh, finished his final draft of this script literally two hours before the Writers Guild of America's writers' strike started. Because I forgot this was mm. two thousand eight. This was prime time writer strike two thousand eight two thousand nine. Um, so this it seems like this was a very very rushed script to get done before the strike started. And I'm sure it, it does make a little more sense. For yeah. yeah. Um, at one hour and 46 minutes long, this is the shortest James Bond movie in the Eon Productions official film franchise. I mentioned that at the beginning. Um, also, as we mentioned, this is the first James Bond film that has no gun barrel sequence at the start of the movie. Uh, next fact. It was once extensively rumored that Al Pacino would be making a cameo appearance at the end of this movie as the head of the quantum criminal organization in a brief role, equivalent to essentially being Blofield. Um, apparently, Pacino was actually interested in taking on the role of General Medrano, so he wanted to play the bad guy general. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Mark Forster is the first direct- director of a James Bond film series to not have a nationality from the British Commonwealth. Him being born in Germany, which I think I mentioned this at the beginning as well, mm-hmm. whereas all previous directors were from either England or New Zealand, which are British Commonwealth places. Uh, let's see. That's the theme song, Jack White and Alicia Keys. Uh, this is such a direct sequel to Casino Royale that according to the official timeline, Casino Royale took place between July and August of 2006. Uh, or, excuse me, took place, uh, in Ju- yes, through July and August of 2006, where this movie continues on and takes place during August 2006. So they are literally back-to-back. Like, this event probably takes place, like, this whole movie is probably, like, a week after what we see in Casino Royale. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, considering yeah. that it, it ends with Bond going for White, and it starts with White in the trunk of the car to be questioned. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it definitely fits the timeline. Um, and that's it for trivia time. Not a, a very short trivia time, much like a very short movie. There wasn't really much um, too too interesting to find on this yeah. one. Now, I do know um, 
and I'm sure everyone's picked up on this, that there again was no Q in this movie, but Q will be uh, making his appearance in the next movie, which I'm like, super excited for. Because I kept thinking Q was in like three movies, not including the new one that hasn't come out as of this recording yet. Yeah. But I kept forgetting that he was not in Quantum of Solace because I couldn't remember much of Quantum of Solace. I just kept thinking that Q was in like three of Daniel Craig's movies out of the four current movies, and I was incorrect. It was only the next two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm excited to see Q come back, not only because I miss Q, but I enjoyed the new Q that we get. Um, Well, that's it, Jordan. Do we want to rank this bad boy? uh, Do I want to? No. Should we? Yes. Well, with that said, the current rankings of Friday Films Bond and Review is as follows. Number one, Casino Royale. Number two, GoldenEye. Number three, From Russia With Love. Number four, You Only Live Twice. Number five, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number six, Thunderball. Number seven, License to Kill. Number eight, For Your Eyes Only. Number nine, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number 10, Goldfinger. Number 11, The Living Daylights. Number 12, Dr. No. Number 13, Tomorrow Never Dies. Number 14, A View to a Kill. Number 15, Die Another Day. Number 16, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 17, The World is Not Enough. Number 18, Octopussy. Number 19, Moonraker. Number 20, Live and Let Die. Number 21, Diamonds Are Forever. All right. So being that this is a sequel to Casino Royale, it is only deserving that we put it right behind it at number 31. Yes. (laughs) Because we put Casino Royale at 30 last week. I remember this. I remember this. Um. I mean, you and I, you and I did some talking before we started recording, on on where we kind of personally thought this was going to be, and we we kind of we kind of surprised. Unlike Lashif in the last film, we we were <laughs> we were spot on in our in our agreeance of both this film and this bad guy. Um, so I think we we, we were talking, and we we thought. I mean. I the lower tens is how yeah. I, I worded it, but I meant eleven through twenty, not well, somewhere in the remind top. Remind me again. Did we talk um, better, we, uh, better or worse than Die Another Day? I forget. Um, so we were talking between Die Another Day, uh, Man with the Golden Gun, and World's Not Enough yeah. in that general area. Because although there is good parts and bad parts mm. of this movie, we agreed that as a sequel. It, it strengthens this movie as a standalone. It weakens this movie. Yeah. So we didn't believe it was in the top and we didn't believe it was at the bottom of the list, but somewhere in the middle we thought was decent because all around it had its strengths and it had its weaknesses. Um, as far as rewatchability, we said we kind of liked it a little better than Die Another Day, but we also said with our list, you we, know, we we also liked The Man with the Golden Gun more than we did this a little, movie. So yeah, so it was a hard point. one to play. So we kind of put it right there uh, around um, Die Another Day. Um, so do you want to put it above uh, or below Die Another Day? I mean, I kind of liked this one a little better than Die Another Day. Don't get me wrong; I really enjoyed Die Another Day, um, but. I, this to me, it's kind of right with it. I mean, as a sequel, it's above it. As a standalone, it's kind of below it. So it just depends on how you look at it. Yeah, um, this is one of those. The action this is one was of those. kind of all over these, the place. These these bottom um, like like fifteen through fifteen through eighteen are pretty much mm-hmm. interchangeable. 
Um, yeah, and a lot of that's just because of the type of movies they are. You know, like Die Another Day, the first half of the movie was good, the second half not so much. This one, half of the movie was good, half of it wasn't. It just depended on which crazy scene you were following. Mm-hmm. You know, the slow storytelling scenes or the crazy action-packed scenes. Um, and, and the same thing, you know, we both enjoyed Man with the Golden Gun, but it just kind of was out of place as far as a typical Bond movie. I mean, as far as a crazy villain, it was more of just a personal one-on-one yeah challenge type deal um so anywhere in this range we could see this movie um just because like we said it's it has its high highs and low lows in the same movie which was made it kind of hard to place top or bottom so we decided to put it somewhere in the middle yeah. because of that reason well i'm, I'm i yeah i absolutely <laughs> accept and agree with that so so officially that puts quantum of solace as the new number 15 Directly below A View to a Kill and directly above Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. With that, we get into the villain list. And we we said earlier, um, more so before recording, again, because it was only briefly mentioned throughout recording, but Green didn't seem like a strong villain to us. Um, and this was kind of was my view on Le Chiffre last week with Casino Royale where we had our debate. So I was kind of surprised that we may had an agreement this week. But Green felt like <laughs> a, a, like you said, another cog in the wheel. He was there as part of this organization. His sole purpose was just to kind of take control of Bolivia. Other than like the scene in the beginning where Camille first talks to him and he, you know, talks about the guy that was supposedly betraying him that was floating dead in the water he didn't ever come across as a menacing like super villain he didn't seem scary his henchman i I think had a name but it's never really mentioned throughout the movie i mean there's just no strong villain vibes from him we just know that he's the main source that bond needs to find out more about this organization he's just Um, generic man he's yeah i mean blah i mean there's nothing redeeming about him he doesn't have the creepy eye thing Mm -hmm. You know that that it, that, that um, Lashif had. He didn't have asthma. He was just a dude. Yeah. You know, he never well, at any even point then, makes like, himself seem uh, intimidating. Like maybe our opinion would have changed had we seen a scene of him killing fields in the oil. You know, but we don't even see that. Yeah, we, like, and that, we that's never just see implied. him being a bad guy. We just see yeah, him being it, a dude. And that's implied. So we don't know if it was him or yeah. if it was someone else in the organization that took care of it. Because we, we do realize the organization is bigger than just Green and Lashif. You yeah. know, we're starting to see the the story arc in this block mm-hmm. of uh, Daniel Craig movies that there is way more to this than, than me I mean, I, I would have even liked White to be on this villain list. I mean, even if you only see White like two or three times in this movie and he's kind of like the smart villain. Like, no, Bond tortured me. I escaped. I made my appearance. I'm not messing with him. I still would have felt as White's white is a better white's a better bad guy than than Green is than Green was. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's just from the, Casino Royale. Like yeah. you've seen White in Casino Royale makes him a better villain. Between Casino Royale and Quantum, <clears throat> of Sol- Quantum of Solace, the four scenes that you see Mr. White in, he's already a better bad guy than than yeah. than Green throughout all, all um, this movie. So go ahead and say it, Jordan. We all know where he's going. I, I mean, I'm gonna read the list just so we know. Like, right. He's he's going at the bottom. I mean. <laughs> So give it, go ahead and give us the final reading of the list. Then. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to give you one reading. And I'm just going to add green at the bottom. Uh, so, number one, we had Goldfinger and Oddjob. Uh, number two is Alec Gervani. <laughs> and, and Gervani's family restaurant. 
<laughs> from Goldeneye. Uh, number three is number two from Thunderball. Four is Sanchez and Dario from License to Kill. Uh, five is Stromberg and Jaws uh, from The Spy Who Loved Me. Six is uh, Le Chiffre from Casino Royale. Seven is Christasos, Locke, and Eric from Your Eyes Only. Uh, eight is Zorn and Mayday from A View to a Kill. Nine is Spectre and Red. Or I'm sorry, Spectre General and Red from uh, Russia with Love. Uh, 10 is Drax and Jaws from Moonraker. 11 is Blowfield from You Only Live Twice. 12 is Scaramanga and Knickknack from The Man with the Golden Gun. 13 is Carver and Stamper from Tomorrow Never Dies. 14 is Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. 15 is Dr. No. 16 is Blowfield with Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. 17 is Blowfield from Owner Majesty's Secret Service. 18 is Yurgi Whitaker and the Milkman, or Necros, from uh, Livin', The Living Daylights. Uh, 19 is Gustav Graves and Zhao from Die Another Day. 20 is King and Renard from The World Is Not Enough. 21 is Khan and Gaminda from Octopussy. And 22 now brings up the rear with Mr. Green and his anonymous henchman that we don't care about. Uh, Mr. Green, an inch, insert name here. Insert name here, yes. Um, from Quantum of Solace. So... <sighs> He could have been a better villain. I think they definitely had the opportunity to make him a better villain. Or he they just could have been a villain. Yeah. Like, he yeah, was nothing. I, I, he was nobody. He, he was just the next source of information for Bond to get into this organization. I mean, yeah. he really had nothing. Freaking I mean, Vesper's, he didn't even see medicine Vesper's, when he... Vesper's boyfriend was a better villain, and you only saw him for half a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, even in the scene where he had his driver slash bodyguard shoot the prime minister, other agent, or whoever he was at the opera, even then he was just kind of like, oh, he shouldn't be staring at me. Take care of my dirty work for me. You know, like, ah, like, uh. Instead of just like, is he one of ours? Pull out a gun and shoot him. They're like, oh, cool. He's a better villain. Yeah. You know, like, he didn't even have that. He was just, he kind of like hides his head. He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm too good for this. No, I can't look there at was, this. There was nothing, like, nothing, yeah, nothing redeeming about it whatsoever. You know, it, um, so, yeah, he, he does not deserve to be anywhere on this list, except for at the bottom, unfortunately. I mean, the actor seemed pretty good. No, the I'm actor, not, not the actor, the actor I think, at all. I think the he's definitely a great did a good actor. Job. I think just the yeah. character was so poorly written. And there actually was, I didn't, I didn't include it in it, but there was um, a bit of trivia where that actor, uh, when he was cast, came to the director and said, like, what's, like, what's my shtick? You know, do I have a scar, a beard? Like, like. Like how bad of a bad guy am I? Am I at? And the director was like, "No, just you, just your face, just, just, just you, just be you." Yeah. You know, and, and and so so it seems like the actor tried to wanted to, to be him, wanted yeah, to be a better character, villain. but the director was like, "No, this just needs to be a guy." And I'm like, "All right, well, poor choice, good sir, but you know, yeah, is what well, it is. You can't. Unfortunately, you, this is one of those put classic, all of these movies at the top. So, no. <laughs> and this is also one of those classic. Like this is one of those classic films where. Like none of the acting in this movie is bad. Like all of the acting and everything is good. It's just it's it's very it's it's poorly written, and that's I can mm-hmm. in part due to like maybe a rush job due to the writer strike coming on. But it's very poorly written. It's very very poorly paced, and it's not very well directed or edited. Like yeah. it's 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 basically everything other than what the actors do is yeah. is done done half assed. And and that this movie suffers from it. I'm sure mm-hmm. there can be there. I'm sure there's an edit, even if you change nothing else. I'm sure there exists somewhere an edit of this movie that's that's maybe a few minutes longer. Um, 
that doesn't have nearly as many action scenes or they're slowed yeah. up. That, that, you, that you fleshes could out make the story a better a movie more. with what you have. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can edit this. Like if there's a director's cut or, or, or not a director's cut, a better than director's cut um, <laughs> of this film. I mean, you can see potential in this movie. It just was not executed correctly. No, yeah. The movie definitely had potential to be a better movie. I think part of that being a direct sequel kind of hurt it because you're coming off a of Casino Royale with as much hype as that movie had. It's hard to be even close to yeah. it. And Casino Royale and think, didn't need a sequel either. Like no, the way it definitely it ended, did. Everything was wrapped up enough. I mean, were yeah. all loose ends wrapped up? No, but they were wrapped up but they didn't enough need to that be. you didn't need you didn't need anymore. You could yeah. move on to the next mission. Um, so, I mean, that being said, this movie could have been done so much better had they taken out the references to Casino Royale. Like, if they left the white thing in the beginning and to try and find out more and just kind of push it into a new direction, let off of the whole Vesper um, Bond getting over the whole aftermath. I mean, if he would have left all that out, that'd be good. I mean, it was good for Bond's character. But it it was not needed. I mean, they yeah. literally could re-edit this whole movie and make a slightly better movie than what they had now. Yeah. Agreed. Plain simple. Agreed. So okay. that is Quantum of Solace. Um, I'm curious to see what everyone else has to say about this movie because I'm sure there are some out there who, who loved it. Not saying that you're wrong. Um, but it it's not as good as a Bond movie as some of the other ones out there. There's a There's a turd in every block, and this is the turd for this block. Yeah, it's true. This was the low, <laughs> low of the block. Um, but with that, I am excited for Skyfall next week. I can't wait to get into that one. I, I remember it being a really good movie, and I'm hoping it holds up to my own personal expectations of it. Um, but with that said, Eric, do you want to hit our uh, hit our outro for us? I'll take us out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us for Friday Films Bond in Review, episode 22. We so have close. technically three movies left, but with the delay of No Time to Die, we won't be getting to that one until November. So two movies left for the foreseeable future of yep. Bond in Review. If until you, our summer break, so to exactly, speak. Exactly, until the summer break, right? We'll, Bond in Review will return in, the, in, in fall slash winter (laughs) (laughs) yeah whenever whatever when it's cold outside we'll return Um, (laughs) but until then if you like what you listen to on episode on this episode of bond and review don't forget you can follow us on any social media twitter instagram facebook at who do presents share your current link ranking list with us let us know how bad mr green was um i love how they name these bad guys in the in the i just realized this in the it's like a quentin tarantino movie you've got mr green you've got mr white you've got (laughs) (laughs) you know is there a mr pink in skyfall somewhere there's got to be a mr i I don't remember if not there's gonna be one poor bastard i'll 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 call mr (laughs) pink for the for forever from here on out um but yeah share your list with us let us know who your favorite villains are who your favorite bad guys are or favorite bond movies are and even who your favorite bonds are we're in the final bond right now so we'll be uh ranking those you know once we once we get to the the very very end it'll be tough Um, i I mean i like all the bonds for different reasons so it's so hard to put them in in order mm -hmm. yep um but yeah that's it once again at who do presents twitter instagram facebook All right. So with that, we hope everyone enjoyed this uh, review and we'll hope that everyone joins us next week for Skyfall. Hopefully a better movie. 
should be a better movie than this one. I feel like anything at this point would be better than this movie. Um, Based on the ranking, it literally does not get much worse. (laughs) Yeah, which makes me feel better knowing that the next two movies will hopefully be somewhere in the top 15. Not necessarily top 10, but at least in the top 15. Uh, But with that, again, this is Eric and Jordan. And until next time, let the credits roll.